0: We're in the middle of this message series called Circles, and I hope and trust that God is using it in your life. Last week we heard an amazing message. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm sure that all of us here could take the time to thank you, Pastor David, aka the Bishop, and aka the First Lady, Mrs. Elizabeth Halliburton, uh, dear friends of ours who've been a part of this church for a long time, pastoring faithfully all through the years. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for encouraging me and my wife. Yeah. That's something to celebrate. Cause I'll tell you this gig ain't easy. <laughs> and, uh, and yet the faithfulness that you guys have, have shown, not just to the Lord, but to this church. And, and we're all benefits, beneficiaries of that. So thank you. Thank you so much. One of the things I loved about it is just how real it was, how authentic. And, and uh, one of my core values, one of the core values of this church is authenticity. And so um, even today, I'm going to uh, really just tag team on to the next message that I believe God put on my heart, and, and I'm going to talk about something today that isn't, isn't easy to talk about, because a lot of us don't know how to do it well, and because we don't know how to do it well, and more in particular, we don't know how to do it God's way, uh, it's wreaking havoc on our relationships. In fact, it's, it's killing them slowly, killing me. Remember that song, killing me softly, with his Yeah, uh, this is, it, it, our relationships are getting killed softly until one day we wake up and realize, like, I don't really know this person anymore. I, I don't really have a, a real relationship Anymore, and, and that realization can hit hard and it can come with a ton of regrets. And so today I want to try to help us with that. And, and so we're going to look at a passage of scripture. If you would turn with me in the book of Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter four, I'm going to start out in verse 22 and to just set this up for you, Paul great apostle Paul is recognizing people are coming to faith in Christ just like a lot of us and and as they come to faith in Christ they're trying to just like a lot of us walk out their the newness of life and and living a different way Um, trying to follow Jesus as best as they can but Paul recognizes something that is kind of plaguing the church in Ephesus and that is all of us we have these cultural things that you know we grow up in the world and we grow up in our families of origin and we learn from our families of origin and we learn from our culture how to look at life how to do life and 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 a lot of what we learn is how to do relationships the good the bad and the ugly and for a lot of us we don't learn how to do relationships right so Paul starts addressing and I love the whole whole title of this passage is called instructions for Christian living and so today I'm really going to to give you a practical message. This is probably going to be one of the more practical messages out of this message series, but I also believe it has the power to transform our relationships. And so we're going to hear from, from Paul this morning, and even more importantly, we're going to allow the Spirit of God to speak to us on how do we, how do, we do relationships a different way. This whole message series circles It's all about the different relationships that we're all connected to. Our relationship with God, our our marriage relationships, our friendships, our extended family relationships, our church community relationships, our friendships. We all have these circles of relationships. And yet for a lot of us, if we don't do this one thing that we're gonna talk about well, if we don't learn how to do it, it's going to wreak havoc. And I believe it is wreaking havoc on a lot of our relationships and has to the point where some of us have been estranged in those relationships. So I'm gonna pick it up, Ephesians chapter four, verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God In true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Even saying that that's so countercultural. Everything today is about you meeting my needs and I'm not getting my needs met. And there's, there's a reality that God gave us relational needs that can only, some that can only be fulfilled by God and some that can only be fulfilled through other people however when we focus so much on our needs getting met oftentimes we could miss an opportunity to allow the Spirit of God to draw us closer together and make us more like him and Paul goes on to say this hey listen when you do this when you let unwholesome talk when you don't take care of of anger he said what happens is we grieve the Holy Spirit he says and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God from whom you were sealed for the day of redemption and get rid of now he gets a little strong he's telling you listen you got to deal with some things in your life if you're going to have close relationships. you gotta, you got to be intentional about getting rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And he says, this is what we need to do. And this is for some of us right here. This, this will transform your relationships just by doing this. Be kind. <laughs> just be nice, right? Just be a nice human being. My mom would say, don't be a beast, you know? <laughs> be, be kind and be compassionate. Like, actually, be, have compassion for other people to one another, forgiving each other. And we heard a great message last week that it's worth it. It's worth it to forgive one another. Why? Because Christ forgave us. And in forgiving us, he gave us the power to forgive one another. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. God, we're so grateful for the men and women who gave their lives so that we can read this word. And I think sometimes we take that for granted, God, that that men and women were martyred, literally lost their life so that this word could be carried from one generation to another. God, I pray that the power of your word, your power of your word, God, this morning would be used to open our eyes to see things we haven't seen in ourselves before. God, that your word would have the power to transform us, to change us. God, we, we're powerless to change ourselves. We need a heart transplant. God, we need you by the power of your Holy Spirit to change our hearts. We could change our behavior, but we want you to change our hearts. So I pray this morning that we would not leave the same people that we came in. Father, we give you this time. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would use me, speak through me. This is your service. We commit it to you. It's in your hands. Have your way. Can you just say that? Can you just put your hand on your heart right now and just say, Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Power. the power. The title of my message to you this morning is Close the Loop. Close the Loop. Resolving conflict God's way. I think... Honestly, the, the more I've thought about it, the more I've seen in my own life, and the more that I see in people that I try to help as a pastor, counsel them, it amazes me that I'll, I'll be sitting with somebody in first counseling session, and they come to me, obviously, because they, they want some help. They feel stuck. And, and I'll sit there, and I'll listen, and I hear them tell me about things that happened five years ago, seven years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. They're bringing up stuff from years ago of conflict, things that have happened, fights, arguments, words that were said, things that were done to them that hurt them, that wounded them, and it was never resolved. And when we don't intentionally work to resolve our conflicts in a biblical way, according to God's way, as we're gonna to see today as outlined in the Bible, we open ourselves up to the enemy to come in and to get a foothold in our life. And for many of us, because we, we have open wounds, so to speak, from the conflicts that we've had relationally, whether it's with a spouse, whether it's with a family member, whether it's from a father, a mother, brother, sister, uncle, friend, a boss, spiritual leader, Whatever it might be, if we don't close the loop, so to speak, and bring healing and resolution to that conflict, we are very, very vulnerable to the enemy coming in and stealing, killing, and destroying our relationships. And that's exactly what's happening to many of us. Many of you here right now, as I'm even speaking this, you're thinking about a situation that you're in right now where there's conflict and there's, there's, there's relationships that are strained and, and you've you, you find yourself in these cycles or loops. Like there's one Christian psychologist who calls it the crazy cycle. Y'all remember that? The crazy cycle based on Ephesians chapter five, Paul would go into later talking about how husbands res- or husbands love your wives and, and, and wives respect your husbands. And when you don't do that, what happens is you end up because you're not getting those basic needs that God created you with met, you end up fighting or lashing out or getting sick stuck in these cycles of conflict and arguments and and they cause division and strife and hurt feelings and wounds and and we get stuck in this crazy cycle you've heard it said that uh craziness is doing the same thing over and over right (laughs) and yet that's how many of us we handle conflict we 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 didn't know I don't know about you but I when I was in school um when I was in high school there wasn't a class on how to handle conflict in a healthy way I went to Christian University and there was no relationships 101 how to handle conflict according to the Bible in a healthy way and for many of us we grew up in our families of origin and, and not just did we not taught how to handle conflict in a biblical and healthy way but we were actually taught the opposite whether you were verbally taught it most of us caught it we watched how our if you were blessed to have both your mother and father as you were growing up, we saw our, our parents not handle conflict well, and we saw other people not handle conflict well. We've been uh, victims of not ha- handling conflict well, and so we've caught the wrong way, and oftentimes the worldly ways of handling conflict. And so today... I want to help us to relearn, if you will, just like Paul was telling the Ephesians. He says, look, you have to put off the old man, like your old ways of doing things and the old ways of even thinking about how to relate to one another. You've got to relearn those. And when we come into the new family of God, we were talking about this at our healthy relationships course on Wednesday night. When you come into the new family of God, if you've been born again, you're not just born again. It's not just a relationship between you and God. You've been born into a family. You have a spiritual father, and guess what? You have other physical, spiritual fathers and mothers, and you have brothers and sisters now in Christ. You're born into the new family of God, and, and it requires it requires that we relearn how to relate to one another according to God's ways and God's love. And so how do we get messed up? How do, how do we get messed up in this? And here, here's what I think for a lot of us. We don't handle conflict the right way, so how do we handle it? I want to give you a few ideas, thoughts that I have. The first one is this, that for a lot of us, as soon as I started talking about conflict, you're like, yeah, I love it. I love a good fight. Put me in coach, you know? And So what do you do? We bulldoze, right? We'll, we bulldoze over people. We, we like a good fight. <laughs> Some of you, you're smiling because you know it. Like, we like, to, we like to engage in the conflict, and we like to be right, right? You, you knew that you married Mr. Right. You just didn't realize his first name was always, right? <laughs> and so for, for a lot of us, we... Uh, <laughs> We think we're right. And that's part of the problem because we think we're right. We're gonna prove you wrong. And, and it's it's all you. Like you need to change. You need to get fixed. And I'm God's gonna use me to help fix you. <laughs> and you know, you get the little, you get the little elbow, you know, you're in church, and and you get the little elbow from your from your wife or from your spouse. Like, you need to listen to this. This is good stuff, right? God's speaking to you. Come on. Like, I think I still have some bruises from those elbows when I used to be in church just like this. It's a little sore right there. Or maybe that's where my rib came out of. No, I'm just kidding, but uh, you know what I'm saying. Like, for a lot of us, like we enjoy the fight. And, and psychologists say that for a lot of us, depending on our personality types, there's two ways that we can handle conflict. One of them is fight, right? And that's what this is. When we handle conflict, we're bulldozers. The problem with that is, oftentimes, we do just that. We bulldoze people. We run them over. We run them over with our words. We run them over with our, our, our actions, our, um, our emotions, the way we handle things. And we can dominate people. And guess what? We, you can win the fight, but you don't win the war. You don't win the whole, you don't win the person. The three, the, you know the three greatest words that you could say in a relationship aren't I love you. They are maybe you're right. And oftentimes we don't like to admit that. We think we're so right that we're going to prove to you and we treat the other person like they're the enemy. Listen, the Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Like you're not fighting against that person. You know what? You're oftentimes fighting against years of hurts and wounds and years of the enemy and uh, trying to get in and open doors, getting that foothold in and messing with people. And if you're not careful, you're even going to exasperate the pain in the wound because you like the fight. And then there's others of us that you don't like the fight. In fact, you'll do anything to avoid it. And we've learned to how we handle conflict is, hey, I just I'm bow out, you win, you're right, I lose, I'm out. I'll avoid it. I'll pretend everything's okay. I don't want to get in the fight. And what psychologists call, call this is flight, like you run from it. You have you don't want any part of conflict. And so what you're doing is you're just avoiding it. But but the reality is is it's not going away. It's there and it's real. And you're just, uh, by avoiding it, you're just avoiding the inevitable that if you don't actually learn how to, to engage in conflict in a healthy way and work it out and bring resolution, close the loop, that you're going to stay stuck in this cycle. The third way that we can handle, and I think this is probably the most Christian way that we handle conflict or that we think we handle conflict, is that we peace keep. Now, Jesus talked about blessed are the peace Makers, But there's a big difference between somebody who's a peacekeeper and somebody who's a peacemaker. A peacekeeper is you just do whatever you can to keep the peace. A peacemaker is somebody that isn't afraid to disrupt false peace. The Bible says that Jesus came now. uh, This can be confusing because Jesus is our Prince of Peace and he came to be our peace and all this stuff. But it also, Jesus himself said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And so that can be confused. Well, which is it, Jesus? Did you come to bring peace? Or did you come to bring a sword? And, And that can be confusing. But let me help you with that as your pastor. Jesus wasn't saying that he didn't come to bring peace. He came to disrupt false peace. And for many of us, we can live with this Christian veneer that just because I'm a Christian means I'm supposed to just be nice. And I I don't don't rock the boat, you know, just just keep the peace at all costs. And whatever that means, don't don't disrupt anything. Don't get into conflict. And, And Jesus, Jesus came. Jesus life was riddled with conflict. It was full of conflict. And the whole time he 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 said, no, this is healthy, this is good because I'm disrupting a false peace. Back then, even the religious leaders of the day, they, they, they thought, you know, we've got peace, we're right with God because we know the Bible. Yeah, Jesus said, Yeah, you know the word, but you're missing the whole point of knowing the word of God is to draw you to know the person and be in relationship with the person. And they were completely missing that part. They thought they were l- religious because they knew the word of God. And for a lot of us, we think we're religious because we're not engaging in conflict. Conflict isn't the enemy. The enemy is not engaging in conflict and disrupting the false peace. And for a lot of us, even today, even in our marriages, what happens, this is how it plays out, is we just keep the peace, keep the peace, keep the peace, and we brush it under the rug, and brush it under the rug, and brush it under the rug, until that lump gets so big that we keep, it keeps tripping us up. And we keep going around in these, these cycles. He came to disrupt the peace. Look at Jeremiah six fourteen, The prophet Jeremiah, God would use him to speak into the day because the religious leaders in his day were doing the same thing. Listen to what he says. He says, they dress the wounds of my people, though it were not serious. And the peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. And so let me paint this picture for you. It's like peacekeeping and saying, oh no, we're, we're, we're good. It wasn't that big of a deal. It's okay. And they try to put a little, a little tiny bandaid on a gaping. The, the idea behind this, when I studied the original language, is that there's a mortal wound. Like this wound is big enough that that person's bleeding out. And if you don't stop the bleeding, they're gonna d- slowly die killing me softly and they're saying peace peace it's okay let's put a little band-aid on this put it on that little boo-boo and you're gonna be okay you know and everything's gonna be fine and the reality is is no they're not it's not fine can I tell you something I believe the spirit of God put this message on my heart to disrupt some of the false peace because why because the great physician wants to come in and say no you can't put a little band-aid on that and think you're okay it's time we started addressing the wounds because if not, you're gonna bleed out and your relationship is gonna die. And so we gotta, we gotta, we gotta do something about that. The fourth thing, and this is, this, is, this is the saddest, to me, this is the saddest one of them all because when you don't address these conflicts and bring resolution to them, you leave the door open for the enemy. And years of doing that, It just piles up and piles up and piles up till you get to the point, and this is where divorce happens, to where you feel hopeless and you feel like there's no way that we can overcome this. And what you do is, how you handle the conflict at that point is you walk away. You just walk away from the relationship. You get the divorce, you sign the papers, you walk away from that friendship, you just stop talking to that person. You're estranged from your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, a friend. You just write them off. You click unfriend on Facebook and that's that. We ain't friends anymore. And to me, that's the saddest part. We just end a relationship that actually might have been good if we knew how to handle conflict the right way. And so I know this is a heavy, heavy message, so I want to throw in a little Boudreaux joke for you, because I love good Boudreaux joke. And Many of you know Boudreaux. Boudreaux is this Cajun character, and uh, he lived in, in the deep south in Louisiana, and uh, so one day Boudreaux was at this bar and grill and he's sitting there uh, and, and he's having his, his beer and there's another guy down at the end and he's going on and on about how he's been trained in every martial arts and every way to, to go into hand-to-hand combat. And, and the people around him were like, really? Like, he doesn't look like that. And so they're, they're kind of questioning him. And he's like, he gets up, he says, oh yeah? Well, I'll show you. And he goes down to Boudreaux and he goes, he goes like this, karate chop from China. Gives him a good karate chop on the back of his neck. Bujo falls to the ground. He's like, kind of, you know, he looks at the guy, but he doesn't do anything. He doesn't want to make a scene. He gets back up, gets on his seat, and, and the guy down there is talking some more. He's like, oh, yeah? He's like, you ain't had enough. He's like, watch this. And he goes over and he goes, judo from Japan. And he gives him like some little chop there. And Bujo falls down on the ground once again, kind of gets back up, just looking at the guy. He's getting a little bit more mad, but doesn't do anything. And so then the guy, just a few minutes later, and he goes, he comes in and he's like, (laughs) he's like, nerve pinch from Korea. And he gives him this nerve pinch and it actually makes Bujo like, go limp. And he falls straight to the ground. He doesn't move for like a minute. He kind of shakes it off, gets back up. He looks at the guy and he leaves. He walks out. He's just, that's it. I'm done. And the guy's like, see, I told y'all and everything. And he's talking to smack. And about 20 minutes later, Boudreaux comes back in and he's got a big, long wooden beam. And he smacks the guy across the face and he goes, Home Depot, two by four. (laughs) Love me some good Bujo jokes. (laughs) But really, here's the big idea of this whole message. I want you to get this this morning. All relationships have conflict, but we get to choose whether or not they will tear them down or build them up. I'm going to say that again. All relationships have conflict, but we get to choose whether or not we tear them down or build them up. And so some of you, you're, like, you're looking at me like, man, what do you mean we all have conflict in relationships? Let me tell you something. I, I, I think if you don't have conflict in your relationships, something's not right. Like, seriously. Like, conflict is, is actually healthy. When, when you do it God's way, conflict can be healthy. In fact, Paul is trying to, I believe, trying to say to us that we got to change the way we look at conflict. Like, you can't look at conflict as something uh, that negative that when you look at it through God's lens that it can actually be something positive so we need to change our attitudes or our mindset about that's the first step you got to change your mindset you got to change the way you look at conflict and start looking at it as an opportunity for this for me to know myself better for me to know the person I'm in conflict better and to understand them better and for God to draw us closer together Come on, I'll say that again. Every conflict is an opportunity for us to know ourselves better, to know the other person better, and for God to draw us closer together if we work through it in a healthy way. Look at Ephesians 4.23. I want to remind us, we just read this. Paul's reminding us, he says, Listen, you need to be made new in what? The attitude of your mind. An attitude is a mindset. It's the way we see things, it's the way we look about things, it's, it's the way we think about them. And I wanna, I wanna encourage you this morning, unless we start to look at conflict as an opportunity to know ourselves better, to know each other better, and to grow closer to, together, we're gonna miss an opportunity for God to do something amazing to bring healing to our relationships, to bring health to our relationships, and to draw us closer to each other and to Him. So we need to learn to relearn how to resolve conflict God's way. And that's a process. And I want to help us with that. I want to give you a couple of practical things uh, this morning. The first thing that we need to do if we're going to relearn how to do conflict God's way is When you're offended, when you're in conflict, when there's something that somebody said, something did, maybe somebody sinned against you, um, the first thing that we do is we don't lash out at them, we don't take it to them. The first thing you do is you go to God with it. You go to God with it. Because oftentimes, like, man, you know, I know y'all, you you might look at me and my wife and think, wow, look at how awesome their relationship is and everything. But we fight just like the rest of you. And, and sometimes we fight dirty and we say things we shouldn't say to each other and we can hurt each other with our words and, and, and we, we have had to try to learn over the years. But one of the things that I've, I've learned over the years is most of the time, the things that we fight about, they're just flat out stupid, <laughs> right? They're just dumb. Like we all have our quirks. We all have, you know, things. We all have hot buttons. And by the way, your wounds are often the hot buttons that the devil will use to poke at each other. And so we have to understand, and, and this, this helped me, when I started to understand my wife's wounds from her past, I started to see I, that maybe I can have empathy for her. And instead of poking that thing, maybe God wants to heal, use me to bring healing to that place. Instead of poking that wound, that open wound. You know, there, there's this thought that time heal, heals all wounds. Can I tell you that? That's one of the biggest lies. Yeah. Who who goes to the doctor with a wound and sits outside and the doctor says, okay, you come in now, we'll we'll stitch you up. That's all right, doc, I'm good. I'm just waiting a couple more hours. I should be good. Now, nobody does that, but that's the way we treat wounds of our soul. And to many of us, this is how we avoid it. And you know you know, you do this in your marriage, is you get into this big fight, and you go to sleep, and you go to sleep mad, and you go to sleep angry, and in your mind, you're replaying the fight, and you're replaying all the things that person said, and, and you get up uh, the next morning, and you feel a little bit better, you don't talk, you, you know, you guys don't see each other, and time goes on, and because time goes on, you just think, okay, we're good, I'm over it, I'm better now. Let me tell you something you're not over it that wound is still there and let me tell you open wounds fester and when an open wound isn't closed up just like when you don't resolve conflict in your life what what can happen is you allow the enemy to come in and at first you get angry and then you get resentful see the circle and then you get bitter and once bitterness sets in That goes deep, it's a deep root inside of us and then everything that comes out of your mouth, the way you see that person, your relationship is through the lens of bitterness and you start lashing out at them instead of being used by God to be an agent of healing. But before we can ever engage that person, I wanna encourage us that I believe first we need to go to God with it. Like, (laughs) I got got my quirks, right? And I, I use a cup. And if I use a cup for a drink or for water, oftentimes I'll leave the cup on the counter. And it's not that I'm being lazy or don't want to put it in the dishwasher. It's that's my cup. And so what will happen inevitably is my wife will see the cup. She'll take it. She'll put it in the dishwasher and I'll say, where's my cup? She says, I put it in the dishwasher. Why do you do that? That's my cup. And she's like, well, why do you leave it out? You should leave it out. I mean, and we could get into a fight about the stupidest things, right? How many of you, am I just speaking for myself this morning? All men do that. Yes, all men do that. But, but listen, it kind of reminded me, when you take it to God first and you position or posture yourself in a place of humility, and you say, God, just like David said, search me and know me and point out any wicked way in me so first we want to know is this even worth taking it to that person is this small enough that i could overlook an offense right it's to it's to our benefit the bible says if we can overlook an offense and oftentimes we could just say you know what i have grace for that and just let it go give it to god it reminds me of a story i was reading about this german chancellor in the late 1800s his name was otto von bismarck and uh and there was this doctor dr Viskau. And he literally, he had a beef with this doctor, no pun intended, because this doctor was in the middle of studying the effects of trigonosis and how when you eat something infected with trigonosis, how it would affect you. and, uh, and Otto von Bismarck was ticked off at this guy. I don't know what the offense was. But back then, the way you resolved conflict was you, you chose weapons. You chose a gun, a sword, and, you know, you did the five steps thing. You did and then turn around and, you know, first one to shoot. And so whoever, had, whoever was the one who had the offense gave the option for the offendee to choose the weapon of choice that they were going to use. And so Otto von Bismarck gave the, gave the good doctor the choice of what weapon he would use. And, uh, and he turns around and he says to them, my dear sir, he says, choose your sausage. He said, this is my weapon of choice. One of the sausages is full of trichnii, and the other is clean. He says, I beg you, dear sir, that you would dine over breakfast with me and let the one who chooses the trichnii die. And the, the, the chancellor thought this was so hilarious that he literally started laughing so hard that they started laughing together. And before you know it, they forgot what they were fighting about, and they shook hands and went their ways. I think that's a funny story, but oftentimes, that's what we can do. Just let it go. Is it really that big of a deal that you want to die on that hill? That you want to get into a fight, continuing? Or can we just choose to take it to God, let him search us? And here's the thing about that. Look at Ephesians, Paul talked about this. He says, hey, listen, you were taught in regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, what? That is being corrupted by deceitful desires. And and then later on, James would say this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? So why is it that we get into these conflicts? Oftentimes, it's because we've got things that we're desiring that we're not getting from that person, and we're mad about it. And I'm going to get it, even if it means i got to bulldoze you over. I want my way. And when we don't get our way, we can fight and sometimes by going to God first, we could surrender our will to his will, his will, and let him do surgery on our heart. See, God doesn't want us to just change our behavior. The first step is really, we gotta let his spirit change our heart. And we gotta get the right heart posture. But for many times, even after we do that, we could recognize that no, you know, I've got some things I need to work out with this person. And so the next thing that we need to do is we need to go to the person. After you go to God, you work it out with Him. Maybe you can overlook that offense. Maybe there's something that God wants to do in you. And remember, every conflict is an opportunity to know yourself better. So sometimes God will point something out in you that isn't healthy, that isn't good, that is causing these conflicts. And you can work that out with God through an intentional process and surrender to Him. But when... When there's still something there, the next thing that we do is we go to the person. Look at Jesus gave the model in in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. He says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. And if they listen to you, you've won them over. Now, let me pause here. I say go to the person because oftentimes we don't do this. In fact, we're really bad about this in the church. What we do is, here's the Christian thing to do. We go to a brother and sister and say, "Ah, would you pray with me? I'm really struggling with this. And we talk about that person. We talk about why we're offended and what they did to us in the sake of, would you pray with me or for me or would you pray for them? And in the meantime, we've actually slandered our brother or sister. We've gossiped about them for the sake of, would you pray for them? Or would you pray for me? And let me tell you, I think this is terrible. And we're we're terrible about doing this. We don't close the loop. We run. We don't go to the person. In fact, we're so afraid of conflict that we just, we avoid it. We say, no, you know what? I think I'm good. When really, you're not good. Can I tell you, I, I told you I believe in being authentic. Do you know how many times people have left this church? And I never know why. I've never been given an opportunity to try to work it out with them. But, but they leave and then I hear from another person why they left the church. They're slandering the church. And by the way, if they're talking about me, you're slandering God's anointed. I'm sorry to say it, but it's the truth. And I'm gonna speak the truth and love to you. And God help you, you gotta deal with that with God. But let me tell you, I never had an opportunity to talk with you about it, to try to work it out. And too many people, this is what they do, they church hop, And as soon as they get offended in one church, they get their, I won't say it, ruffled, and and they go, and they, I'm being good, I'm trying, and they go to another church, thinking it's gonna be better here, and can I tell you a secret? Where you go, there you are. And oftentimes, we get divorced, thinking the grass is greener on the other side, just to realize that it might be greener, but the water bill's higher. And, Selah. And so we think, you know, I'm going to cut bait. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm done. I'm just, I'm going to go find somebody that's going to meet my needs and make me happy. But then you know what? After the initial phase, the honeymoon phase is over and the emotions die down. What you realize is you got the same problems, Jack. Because where you are, there you are. Where you go, there you are. Right? And so we got to look at ourselves first take it to god but then actually go to the person and we go in a spirit of humility we own our stuff first let me tell you what god showed me but this is this is this is the challenge that i'm having with our relationship look at paul would say in your anger he doesn't say if you get angry he assumes listen if you're going to be in real relationships with people if you're going to be real in the church if you're going to have real friendships there's going to be times where you're going to get angry at the person. Right. There's conflict. There, there, there's things that are going to happen. But even even, uh, even, Jesus would say, "Look, in this world, you're going to have trouble. James would put it this way. He said, count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you experience, well, I would put conflict. He says trials. When you experience conflict, why? Because Every time that you experience conflict, it's an opportunity for me to do a deeper work in you, for you to persevere through it, for you to grow in maturity and become complete, whole. That's God's goal. He's trying to make you more like Jesus. He's trying to make you more like Jesus so you can love more like Jesus and you can have relationships that are deep, intimate, life-giving, joyful, peaceful, that bring healing, not hurt. Amen? And so if we're going to do that, we actually have to... Go to the person. Don't go to your mama. Don't go to your brother. Go to the person. Don't go to Facebook. Oh my gosh, don't go to Facebook. <laughs> there ain't nothing that drives me more crazy when people air their dirty laundry on social media. Honestly, I love you, but that's probably one of the most immature things that we can do. Go to the person. It's the reason Jesus said, go to the person. Share with them, Right. Don't give the devil a foothold. So when you don't go to them, this is what happens. You leave the door open for the enemy to come into that relationship and to bring resentment, anger, and bitterness. You got to close the loop, right? Don't give the devil. Look at what the Amplified says. I love this. The Amplified says, do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you. Listen, this is strong language. Lead you into sin by holding a grudge, nurturing, anger, nurturing. That's every day. You're reminiscing what they said, what they did, and you're allowing anger to grow and grow and grow. And you hold a grudge, nurturing anger, harboring resentment, and what? Cultivating bitterness. And we got to end that. Going to the person, talking to them. And if we do it, we need to do it in a spirit of humility and grace. The way we talk to people, our body language, we don't accuse, we don't criticize. Look, he says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only what is helpful for what? Tearing down? No, for building up others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Listen, I know this isn't easy. It's hard, but let me tell you, the best things in life aren't easy. They're hard. It's hard work. I was remembering um, there was this movie back in the day with Ashton Kutcher called Just Married. And it was about this young couple who fall madly in love and they go on their honeymoon. And they're like the perfect couple. They're so in love. They go on their honeymoon to Europe and they find out very quickly. They have very different ideas of what their honeymoon was going to look like. The wife wanted to go to museums and go exploring and find out the history, and he wanted to go watch a Dodgers game at a local pub. And so they start fighting right away, and then to exasperate everything, uh, the wife's ex-boyfriend shows up, just happens to be in Europe, and uh, it just shows up and it creates more problems, to the point where Tom, Ashton Cooch's character, decides, this is it, I'm done, I don't, I don't want this marriage. And he leaves, he flies back home, and you see the scene, and he's sitting with his dad watching a Dodgers game, and he picks up, on, on the coffee table is a photo album, when there used to be photo albums, today it would be social media and he picks up a photo album and it's all these pictures of his dad and mom loving on each other, smiling. And he's like, dad, how did you and mom do it? How did you have such amazing relationship? And he says something really profound. He looks at him, he shuts the TV off, and he says, listen, son. He said, for every happy picture you see there, there were days where we had to do the hard work to make those moments happen. And I think we could fall into the trap today of looking at people on social media and thinking, man, they've got such an amazing relationship and look at how close they are and how wonderful their life is. But you don't see the behind the scenes. You don't see the hard work that goes into making the relationship work. And you gotta be willing to go to the person. But what happens if you go to the person and they don't respond? Thank God for the word of God, right? Jesus says, you gotta go to God first. You gotta go to the person second, third. You gotta take some friends. You gotta go get help. If they're not hearing you, you're not connecting, and you're not closing the loop or resolving this, take some friends. Take some people that are non biased that will actually help you try to resolve it. Jesus said in Matthew 18 16, but if they won't listen, take one or two others along so that every matter established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And then lastly, if that doesn't work, he says, take it to the church. Take it to your church leaders, your pastors. Take it to people who are going to sit down with you and really try to get this thing resolved. And you know what? At, at, the, at that end, if they still won't listen to you, then you've done everything that you could, according to the Bible, to try to resolve this in a healthy way. And you're absolved. At that point, you could say, man, I did everything I can. And I would encourage you to pray for that person. But you need to let it go. Is this, this helping you this morning? Yeah. Let me say this as we, as we close and, um, we're going to close with the time of communion. And I, I purposely just, we do this every first of the month, but I thought, you know, God is so good because as we're going to take communion together this morning, one of the things that the Bible talks about is, Hey, before you bring your offering, before you come worship me, before you come take communion, get things right between your brother or sister. And we're gonna take communion together as families. If you're here today and you're married, your spouse is with you, if you have your family, if you have your kids here, if you're here by yourself and you don't have family, I want those who are in the family of Hope Church, I want you to look around. There's, nobody should do this alone, okay? That's our heart. We wanna welcome you into the family. If you're just visiting, you're here for the first time. I know that might be awkward for you, but we just wanna welcome you into the family. This is what it means to be a part of the family of God. But I was thinking about communion. And I really believe that God wants to bring some healing to some of you. You've heard the saying wounded people, wound people. And yet Jesus came to bring healing and wholeness to us so that we could bring healing and wholeness to the relationships we're engaged in. And I was thinking in the book of Hosea, it's one of my favorite books because it reminds us, of this little tiny book tucked in in the Old Testament, minor prophets, and there was this prophet, man of God named Hosea, that God was using. And God tells Hosea, you guys can dim the lights. God tells Hosea, I want you to go marry a prostitute. And you gotta think for a minute that he must've been like, whoa, whoa, come again? Did I have some bad pizza? Am I hearing you right? There's no way that you're telling me to go marry a prostitute. But God says, yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you because I want to show you what my love looks like. And it's this beautiful prophetic picture of what Jesus would do. And this is why I'm, I'm tying this story together with communion this morning because it's about relationship. And in the book of Hosea, he tells it to go marry a prostitute. And so he goes and he finds this woman named Gomer. And he marries her. And for all intents and purposes, things are going pretty well. She leaves her life of prostitution. And they start having a family together. They have one, two, three kids together. And one day, Hosea wakes up. He turns over. His wife's gone. She's not there. He gets up, calls her name, looks all over the house. Can't find her. She's gone, like gone. Begins to search for it. Can't find her. He just gets to a place where he, he just, I guess it's over. Then God speaks. I believe God wants to speak to some of you today that maybe you think it's over maybe you've been stuck in this loop you can't break free of God says something so significant to Hosea you know what he says go and buy back your wife what but she left me I know God did you, she's sleeping I know go buy back your wife so he gets some money together. And he goes looking for his wife. And you can imagine this scene. I can imagine it in my eyes. Like, where you find a prostitute is not in the nicest part of town. It's dark, it's dangerous, it's ugly. It's things that a godly person, man, wouldn't want to be around. But I can imagine him, you know, just with the lantern going in the dark and knocking on doors. Gomer! Gomer, she's not here, get out of here. He's going searching, searching, searching. Finally, he finds her with another man. And he offers to pay the man to get his wife back. To redeem her is what the Bible would call it. It's To buy somebody back out of slavery. Because he paid for her, now she's his. Go ahead. And Hosea says, no, I'm going to buy you back. How much will it cost to get her back? Whatever it costs, I'll pay the price. You name your price. And he pays back. And you can imagine the shame, the guilt, Gomer's feeling. And she's looking at him like, oh, man, I'm going to get it now. He's going to shame me. He's going to, he's going to blast me. He's going to, he's going to hurt me. He's going to reject me. But he owns me now. And you can imagine him bringing her home and her expecting to be rejected, to be hurt, to be screamed at, yelled how could you? And instead of hurting her, Hosea heals her. And he heals her by renewing his vow to her. He says, from here on out, you're not going to go with another man and I'm not going to go with another woman and you will be my wife. And he renews his commitment to her and in that moment i believe there's something that god does in her heart that changes her heart that brings healing to her soul for many of us i believe the spirit of god wants to do the same thing because when we take communion we're reminded that jesus even though we were still sinners Even though we prostituted ourselves with the world and the things of this world and the pleasures and desires of this world, God says, I love you, you're mine, and I will pay any price. In fact, I'll pay the highest price. I will pay with my very life and my blood to redeem you, to buy you back, to make you mine. And he did that on the cross.